it was like out of a movie like he'd go to the boss's office and the guy would have like a vault behind or like a, like a safe behind him with the the combination and he'd open it up and give him 10 grand and like hey you're, you're in the box tonight at the flames game show the clients a good time you know it's like is this real life really you're listening to unscripted with mike and chris brutally honest sports talk and now here is mike jansen taking a look at uh, putting stuff together for this 528th episode of unscripted today as we welcome you to it Mike here, Chris over there, um, simulcasting here on Saturday, July the 18th. Thank you, 18th. I forget the days. I'd be really lost if the days didn't end. All of them didn't end in D-A-Y. Um, it's funny. There's a lot of things to talk about today, but yet there isn't because it's all revolving kind of around the same thing. So... Uh, we know COVID is bad. We know that uh, I did hear this week that the National Football League is now going to implement. We've seen opt-outs in Major League Baseball. We've seen opt-outs in the, in the uh, NHL. We've seen opt-outs in the NBA. National Football League players must opt out by August 1. I don't know what other teams or what date other teams report to training camp, but I know the Green Bay Packers report on the 28th of July. And players have until August the 1st if they are going to opt out of this upcoming National Football League season. That's all I really know about the National League or National Football League, to be quite honest with you folks, because you've heard, if you're a sports fan at all, you've heard J.J. Watt this week of the Houston uh, Texans talk about the players want to play, but they haven't been really informed yet as to what the protocols are going to be, what the basically what the rules are going to be moving forward. And I would think that Jane Goodell's husband and the uh, staff of Limp Dink overpaid morons should probably get that out to somebody, at least player reps by now. Uh, but again, a lot of upheaval, a lot of not knowing much as to what's going on in the National Football League. And one other quick news and notes before we get to the real headlines it is official. After two years, Aaron Rodgers and Derica, Danica Patrick have called it quits. Now, I have two questions. Who does what with the house? And I think your explanation probably will be the one that happens moving forward. But remember, it was about six months, a year ago, six months, maybe nine months ago. It was during the season, during an off week, bye week, that Rodgers made news about buying a beautiful mansion with Danica Patrick in Malibu, California. So the first question is, who gets the house? Chris has already told me who I think is going to get the house, and he's probably right. Lawyers will have something to say about this. Second question is, does Danica Patrick go back to being a Bears fan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, does she really want to do that? Danica Patrick was born in Beloit, Wisconsin. If you know anything about geography, Beloit, Wisconsin is right like here. Here's the here's the Wisconsin and Illinois border. Here's Beloit right here. Mm -hmm. I have many times gone over the border from here, Beloit, into Rockford, Illinois. So does Danica Patrick become a Chicago Bears fan again? And probably yes, but the thing about it is she probably enjoyed the winning that was going <laughs> on in Lambeau for the last two years when she was sleeping with the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. So, excuse me, dating dating 
the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Um, I'm sure the Bears will win lots with their eight tight end sets. And yes, their, and their, their eight tight end sets. and Jimmy Graham with, uh, <laughs> you know, refusing to bend his knees under any circumstances. I got to tell you and... something. I, I listened to, I don't know what episode it was. We were going through our picks last year, and Green Bay was high on what we were talking about, and I was just ripping the shit out of Jimmy Graham. And the best thing, you know, we can talk about, and we won't, but I'm just reminding Packer fans, and we've talked about it here on Unscripted. Unbelievably poor draft. Not much happening in free agency this year. But maybe the best thing that happened to the Packers off-season-wise is that Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison yeah. went to two division rivals. Yeah, amazing. That's the best thing that could happen. Amazing, amazing. That's the best thing that could happen. Geronimo Allison ends up dropping passes and running the wrong routes for the Detroit Lions. And, of course, Jimmy Graham goes on a... I believe off the top of my head, two years, $16 million guaranteed contract to drop the ball, not block, and run the wrong routes for the Chicago Bears. So maybe the best thing that happened, if you're looking for positives, if you're a Packer fan like I, if you're looking for positives, the positive might be that two division rivals took two of the bigger pieces of crap off of your roster. That might be the best thing. Um, We have since we've started this video component of Unscripted. It's been wonderful. Chris has done a fabulous job. The video quality gets better every episode. It really does. And I'm not just saying this because this guy's sitting right here with arms like tree trunks that could just go across the table and kick my ass if he wanted to. But um, we have, on this first episode of the week, we like to take a look at what's making news and notes in the wonderful and wacky world of sports over the last 24, 48 hours. And um, just a look at the headlines. And as I mentioned about, I don't know how many minutes ago, and I'm lost without my phone. So I'm going to just, I'm just doing this on a wing and a prayer here, folks. Um, you know, a lot of the news is the same thing about concerns about COVID and yada, yada, yada. But one thing that has been dominating the headlines, and I can't wait to hear Chris's take on this, because I personally believe This guy has owned the team, I believe, since 2003, and I'm talking about the Washington whatevers. That's what I'm calling them until they get a name. I don't know what their name is, Um, but the old Redskins, now again, according to Mike here at Unscripted, is the Washington whatevers, owned by Daniel Schneider. And again, I believe since about 2003, he's owned the team. And this guy... um, you know, we can criticize and bitch and complain all we want about Jerry Jones, and we usually do. And, uh, you know, obviously Chris has voiced his opinion many times, and rightfully so, about the incompetence of Jerry Jones. But I can't believe that we haven't ripped more. And I've listened to every one of our five previously produced 527 episodes, many of them multiple times, and I never have really taken the time to really rip the shit out of Daniel Schneider. Well, Today's a new day, and today might be that day because Schneider is really showing that he's an idiot. He doesn't know how to run a professional football organization, and his news, or excuse me, his uh, name is in the news again, and his ass is really in trouble with his uh, 30 other brethren owners in the National Football League. Notice I said 30 because the Green Bay Packers do not have an owner, folks. Um, but I believe with the news and notes that came out this week about what's going on in the U.S. capital city in regard to their NFL team. 
Uh, I'll start with this. Schneider vows a culture change for the organization after 15 former female employees detailed the toxic environment that they worked in while employed by the team. The women said that they were instructed to wear revealing clothes and flirt with clients to secure business deals and that many were subjected to unwanted comments and sexual advances. Okay, Um, now, supposedly, according to these cheerleaders, and these were cheerleaders that came out, these are our 15 uh, female employees, Schneider and, at the time, head of football operations, Bruce Allen, they were not among those accused of this. One of them was a former uh, scouting director. Another one was the broadcaster of the team for 15, 16 years. He has been, he has left the team since the end of the season. But uh, these accusations cover the period between 2006 and 2019. Again, I think Schneider took ownership around 2003, but I could be wrong. But these accusations cover the period between 2006 and 2019. And uh, before I get Chris involved, because I got to shut up here, but I just want to say there was also something that former safety DJ Swearinger, who I believe now plays for the New Orleans Saints, if I'm not mistaken, but he played for the team in uh, 17 and 18, and he says via text that after a loss to the Giants in 18, he was being called out by former head coach Jay Gruden to fight him. Uh, Swerginger, or Swerginger, or however you say his name, was released by the team in December of 2018. If you've got the inmates trying to fight the guards, I mean, come on. You've got so many problems going on with the Washington whatevers that I think and I have it in my notes right here, that the NFL stated on Friday that Schneider will not be forced to sell the team. But I think at this point, the NFL has it in their league bylaws that if by a, a uh, uh, what, what is it when? Uh, a vote? Like, by a vote, but if by a majority vote, if the NFL believes in their bylaws that they have lost control of the team, that they could force Schneider out. And I think that they need to enact this. This is enough. This is ridiculous. Um, Obviously, things are under real scrutiny these days because we really don't know what's going to happen with this 2020 NFL season. We don't know right now if there's going to be two NFL exhibition games. Are there going to be zero exhibition games? We don't know if they're going to be a full season played. There's so much unknown. But with all the unknown and all the questions that we need answered before the Kansas City Chiefs host the Houston Texans on that first Thursday night game in September. So much needs to be known about what's going on in Roger Goodell's league, but I think first and foremost, with everything that's coming out with the whatevers these days, I think there needs to be an emergency board meeting called, and I believe that they need to vote on the competency of Daniel Schneider moving forward as the head, uh, excuse me, as the owner of the Washington whatevers. Yeah, well, I want to call them the Washington NFLers since Baltimore had to be the CFLers <laughs> for a bit there. So, That's you know, one, yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, I dare you guys, Washington NFLers. Anyway, Dan Snyder, I looked it up. He's owned the team since 1999. Oh, okay. uh, so you were close. And yeah, his leadership has been a disaster. And I've mentioned on the program before about since I am 15 years younger than Mike, and that's not supposed to mean anything, but it's you saw where... The Washington NFL franchise was a proud franchise with a winning tradition, won Super Bowls, 
And like, I mean, they've got five total NFL championships, including Super Bowls. And they were, I guess, a proud franchise. I can't picture that. Well, I you only know them as the Browns right. and, or the Jets or someone like who, I mean, have, have had, you know, winning traditions a long time ago too. But yeah, that, that's, Jack, yeah, it's crazy. Jack Kent Cook, Canadian, billionaire man, brilliant man, at the same time simultaneously owned the Washington Redskins, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Los Angeles Kings, all at the same time, late 60s into the 70s and into the 80s, built the Great Western Forum in Los Angeles to house the Lakers and the Kings, his two professional sports teams out in the Southland. But Jack Kent Cook was a lot of things, but he wasn't Daniel Schneider. He had a proven track record. He was the head of a winning organization when he was the head of the Redskins. Joe Gibbs was a brilliant hire as a head coach, won a number of titles with the famous Hogs as the offensive line. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. And since then, I don't know right off the top of my head. I have notes here, but I don't know right. I don't know everything. But what I do know is I am, since 1999, and thank you for telling us the right date, but since 1999, I don't realistically remember. And I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not nothing. It's my opinion. I do not believe that I can remember. I know it had to have happened once or twice. But I can't remember the last time the Redskins were a playoff team. Yeah, well, it's happened at least once since yeah, on the team. Uh, well, they, they won the division just a few years ago. That's, well, okay, there. It happened once at least. Yeah, like maybe, uh, what was that, 2016 or but so? Then, but then, like, after the, when they won it in 16 or whatever it was, but then they went right back to mediocrity, right well, did, back didn't to... They, didn't they get a, even though they had a bad record and they won a crappy NFC East, didn't they get a home playoff game against the Packers and the Packers kicked the shit the out Packers of them? Packers beat the crap out of them. That's yeah, exactly, that, that, was, exactly, that, would, be, that, that was, would be the last, that's right, good one. Yeah, Green Bay had be, to go to Green Washington. Green Bay had to go to Washington and uh, Aaron Rodgers had a great day and, and kicked the crap out of them. Yeah, but, well, uh, Jay, Jay Gruden was just... Jeff Fisher, basically, in terms of maybe not as quite as bad a coach, not quite as out of date or anything, but he, uh, like, I mean, he just shouldn't have had his job nearly that long. And there, there's just been so much poor leadership in Washington and in the NFL. I mean, if Adam Silver was running the NFL, I think he'd already have turfed Daniel Snyder. But because he's not, uh, the NFL o- other owners, you expect them to do something. They can't even get rid of Goodell. They pay Goodell two hundred million over five years. They're not going to get rid of anybody. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything about anything, never mind this. Right. They just, right. just don't do anything. That's the problem. And uh, they're just completely useless and boring, and they barely move. So nothing's going to happen with this that I can see unless the pressure becomes so severe. And obviously, uh, the fact that he wasn't uh, you know, part of the allegations uh, from these women helps him. If he changes the name, that helps him. And, uh, and when I say helps him, I mean it fends off some of the, uh, some of the assault, essentially, there. But... Yeah, this is just a disaster. Anyone who's 40 or younger, I think, has a hard time picturing Washington's NFL team being anything other than pure crap, frankly. And uh, this has just been a complete disaster all the way through. The NFL looks bad. The Washington team looks bad. Snyder looks bad. Adam Schefter has reported that he thinks that Snyder will not be forced to sell the team, probably just because the other owners are too lazy to do anything. And also, in fairness, I think there could be a little bit uh, of... I'm sure that some of these other owners have their own secrets and they probably don't want, you know, exactly. You know, if they come out too strongly against Daniel Snyder, then all of a sudden if they have skeletons in their closet, which 
it's hard to become a billionaire without doing some something along the way that you might think was a little bit. Uh, well, I remember remember uh, our favorite Mr. Kraft a couple of years ago before the and he's AFC the paragon champ. of virtue. Right. He's like yeah, the yeah, Mr. But, Saint, but again, Saint his wife there. has passed. In fairness, oh, his yeah, wife he wasn't had passed. On it. But he no, was but it was still funny it's still that funny. he shows up at a rub and tub, yeah. the more, rub and tug, excuse me, yeah. in Jupiter, Florida, mm-hmm. happens to be the hometown of one Tiger Woods. Um, you. You know, you mix and match however you seem fit, but it just was always funny to me that he shows up at a at a rub and tug the morning of the AFC Championship game and still makes it to the ball game in time. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you went on a deep dive, and maybe that's why Roger Goodell doesn't seem to show or does or seems to just not care or seems to just totally just kind of take a blind eye to what's going on. Because I mean, let's be honest. If we were to go into a deep, do a deep dive on Jerry Jones's background with those <laughs> with those oil deals in yeah. in Oklahoma and Texas and all those other places that he's made deals over the years, you wouldn't find a few things. Um, yeah, tell so. me you. And obviously, I mean, I think one of the, I really believe this. One of the greatest sports teams owners ever was Eddie DeBartolo when he owned the Forty ers mm-hmm. He introduced teams to charter travel and inter- introduced teams to. Uh, first-class travel, and that's why the 49ers were so successful during his time period as owner uh, on the road. The 49ers were just as good on the road as they were at home because of Eddie DeBartolo pampering them. And But I think Eddie was the best owner in sports. But then he, you know, he gets, they find out about his little gambling thing from some uh, casino down in Louisiana, and ultimately they kick him to the curb. And um, I mean... Let's be honest. When Al Davis was around, now this was not under the administration of Jane Goodell's husband, but if somebody had done a deep dive on Al Davis, tell me that they couldn't have found something. Tell me you couldn't have found something with Alex Spanos with the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Tell me you couldn't have found something with the great Bob McNair with the Houston Texans, besides a bad choice as head coach before he passed. Um, I know we found something a couple years ago before he kind of, he wasn't forced out, but he kind of made it easy for Jerry Richardson to leave as the owner of the Carolina Panthers when they found out that he liked to fool around with, I don't know if it was, wasn't it the racist stuff that was it racist or was it fooling around on his, on his, I don't know. There was something going on there. Maybe it was both. I don't know. Maybe it was both, but there was something going on and, and obviously without, you know, Jerry Richardson was a hell of a football player back in the day for the old Baltimore Colts when he played with John Unitas. Jerry Richardson played in that 1958 NFL championship game that a lot of people believe, football purists believe, that was the first game televised, first game that really brought the National Football League into our homes, if you will. And Jerry Richardson was in that game. So um, there are... I mean, I'd love to find some dirt on the McCaskey family. Oh yeah. <laughs> as as a Packer fan, yeah. I'd love to find some dirt on the McCaskey family going back to George Papa Bear Hallis. Um we know Ziggy Wilf is a little crooked in Minnesota. And we know anybody that owns a team like the Detroit Lions that has the last names of Bridgestone and Ford. Firestone. Firestone and Ford, thank you. Martha Firestone slash Ford. They've got probably more money than brains. So well, that's for sure. Um, you know, I just uh, 
I just think going back to what I originally said, I believe in my heart of hearts that there needs to be an investigation done. And I need to, and I believe that there should be an inquiry done on the viability of Daniel Schneider continuing to own the Washington whatevers or the Washington, what were you call NFL? NFLers. I like that too. <laughs> the Washington NFLers. Um, I think that there needs to be a study done on the viability because this guy lately, and really it's not just this week. I mean, this week has been, you know, encapsulating the whole line of crap in in regard to Snyder's uh, ownership of the Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington NFLers. But um, realistically, this guy, I mean, this guy has been fighting, correct me if I'm wrong, but this guy has been fighting the name change for years. Oh, yeah, like tooth and nail. And and you could, and that's how you could tell there was a real sea change in society and that things have really changed when you, because there's been rumbling for years about them changing their name or the Edmonton Eskimos who are considering it again. Yeah, and that's, I've, and that's, I've got a thing about them that we'll talk about yeah. in a bit here. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just been back and forth. And it's funny because the more things change, the more they stay the same, though. I mean, this has come up so many times before. Maybe the all-time greatest Onion headline in terms of just sheer brilliance, and I think I brought it up a long time ago on this show, but everyone is reposting it again because it's so relevant now. And this, you know, obviously fake uh, Onion headline where they just, uh, you know, funniest sight. If anyone doesn't know The Onion yet, you need to really go check it out. It's the most brilliant parody stuff there is. But they had a headline years ago. They reposted uh washington redskins changed their name to the dc redskins and i just laugh and it, like it's just it's like how genius is that headline i mean i just think it's hysterical and uh, i bet it's something you could see daniel snyder doing but it, they're in such disarray if there is uh one thing i really just that really resonated with me it was the women saying what you said there about how they were told to you know wear revealing clothing and all that I mean, there's two industries that come to mind with that, and that is... <laughs> that, I think I know where he's yeah, going with this. That is big-time sports, and for anyone who lives in Calgary, that's oil and gas. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, just the stories, I mean, you would have heard probably more than even I have. I was, I, I got a job a few years ago. Actually, the job I was working at when I met you was uh, just a little... A shitty t- one. Yeah, well, yeah, but it was just this tiny little company. But uh, a guy before me had, I think, interviewed for the position I got, and he had come from oil and gas, and he was blown away that, um, you know, the company was so small. He's used to working for big companies, were just and in, in good times yeah, where yeah. money is just crazy and oil is just whatever. And he said literally that it was like out of a movie, like he'd go to the boss's office and the guy would have like a vault behind or a, like a safe behind him with the combination and he'd open it up and give him 10 grand and like hey you're you're in the box tonight at the flames game show the clients a good time you know it's like is this real life really and uh you know it was just ridiculous so uh i have no doubt frankly that that is true and now that's not exclusive to the washington franchise that is no and i mean yeah yeah that that stuff's been happening for a long long time and it's you know, it's certainly nice that uh, people aren't having to do that anymore. I hope, and and I hope that that's the type of crap that we get rid of here. I think, and I'm not blaming the Dallas Cowboys, but the reason I'm bringing the Dallas Cowboys up is that they were the ones that introduced us to scantily clad, dressed women on the sidelines. And it adds something to the game. I'm right there. And if I'm a pig or whatever, go ahead. I enjoy looking at a beautiful woman. Um, But... That was kind of the, once you uh, appreciated 
what the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders brought to the game day experience. Obviously, these were all beautiful women that were that were uh, part of the Redskins cheerleader troop or whatever they call them. But beyond that, I think, again, not to sound repetitive, but I think that there needs to be a bit of an investigation as to what's going on with the Washington NFL franchise. This is one of the marquee franchises in the league, folks, and they have done pretty much over the 21 years that Daniel Schneider has owned the Redskins. I can remember of the one instance that Chris mentioned of them making the playoffs, which was a couple of years ago, when they surprisingly, and Chris is exactly right, this is probably, to my recollection, 2016, but don't quote me on that, but they did win the division that year, but they were eliminated quickly in the first round against the Packers in a wild card game. And um, they're just, I mean, this is one of the, this is one of the marquees. This is what they're with the, the, the Packers and the in the NFC, the Packers, the Bears, the Eagles, the Lions, the 49ers, the teams that have been around forever and ever, amen. And uh, I think there needs to be a change. And somewhere at one park place in New York City, they need to show something about the integrity of their league and the integrity of their ownership groups. And I think they need to look at the Washington Football Club right now. Um, basketball is where I wanted to go next. You know, um, one of the biggest things about sports is trades. Sometimes you're trading a player for that proverbial change of scenery, change of attitude in your locker room or clubhouse or whatever it is. Um, but usually a trade, if, if, uh, if a trade can be, can be considered a good one, you each give up a little bit. You both both sides hurt a little bit, but ultimately, if both sides prosper from it, that's a good trade. Unfortunately, in a lot of trades today, because of uh, contracts and because of of monies have or salaries having to match, so that they can actually make a trade happen, and no trade clauses and all this other stuff. I mean, even if people wanted to take on Patrick Mahomes's big old contract now with the Kansas City Chiefs. They can't do that until 2031 because he's got a no-trade contract, no-trade clause in his new contract. But this is a trade that happened two years ago yesterday that I think could say was probably a little one-sided, obviously. But talking about a trade that changes the face and the fortunes of a franchise... When you think about two years ago, yesterday, when the San Antonio Spurs traded Kawhi Leonard to the to the uh, Toronto Raptors, and I know the Raptors got DeMar DeRozan, and Chris and I weren't happy about it, and I'm still not real happy about it because I'm a De DeMar DeRozan fan. And you knew anybody that is telling you the truth and not lying straight to your face knew that Kawhi Leonard was not going to uh, sign long-term in Toronto. He was there as the ultimate one-year rental, and it worked out beautifully for the Toronto Raptors. They win their first NBA championship in 25 years as a franchise. Totally changed the persona of the Toronto Raptors. Um, but I'll tell you, even though Toronto, as we enter into this bubble and we start play here at the end of the month in the NBA, I still think Toronto's got a chance. I really do. Um, and I'll talk about that later. But this trade is synonymous with us because obviously it, it had something to do with the Canadian NBA team that has done something that the Canadian 
uh, in Toronto anyway, the Canadian hockey team hasn't been able to accomplish since 1967. And, uh, you know, I hate Toronto and don't have much respect for the GTA. But, you know, and even though they eliminated my Milwaukee Bucks last year, I was very happy for Toronto to win a championship, put this, this team and this country on the big-time basketball map. People don't realize that there are a lot of good Canadian players playing in the NBA. They just don't realize it. But there are some very good ones, and I can rattle off Jamal Murray in uh, Denver as one. There's a bunch of them. But, I mean, what was it a couple years ago? Two years in a row, now that the kid that was drafted Bennett out of UNLV, Oof. he was yeah he was he was a piece of crap. That was but terrible. two years in a row, a Canadian was the the first overall yeah. pick in the NBA draft. Yeah, yeah. W- so, Wiggins and Bennett, correct. And uh, you know, so Canada is making progress in the game of basketball. But again, going back to this trade two years ago Friday, what a difference maker. Um, obviously, San Antonio is not the same. If San Antonio, if this was a regular season, San Antonio would not have qualified for the playoffs. They're in because they're within three games of the eighth and final spot in the West. That's how they got into the bubble. But if it was a regular non-COVID season, San Antonio's 22-year run of NBA playoff experiences is over. Um, But just unbelievable... And again, we bitched and complained because we thought Masai Ujiri was selling out and all this other stuff, but he did what he had to do. His job, mandated by Larry Tannenbaum and the boys at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, was to get us a championship, and goddamn if he didn't. Man, it's still shocking two years later that that worked. I mean, getting rid of a good coach trading the best player in your team for a guy that's not going to stay around very long. My, he, we weren't even sure he'd play at all. Correct. We oh, weren't yeah. even sure he'd even report. Absolutely. So then he's like, okay, he plays one year, and they win. Like, the odds of all of that working, I mean, if you if you are running a franchise and you want to try this strategy, I wish you the best of luck. Trade your best player for a guy who's going to come in and maybe be better than that player, but will stay around either one year or not at all. And also get rid of your good coach who for eight years straight has been making you better and better. Right. If that's your strategy, then I am sorry. I, I, I'm glad it worked out for the Raptors in Toronto. And it's nice to see a fairly recent expansion team get something. And I don't like seeing when any franchise has no championships unless I really hate that franchise. But I have to say, even two years later and seeing it all, it, I still can't get there and say it was a good strategy. It was reckless, it was desperate, and it was more, I think, about um, trying to just do anything to save his own job rather than what was in the long-term best interest of the franchise. And what he did should not have worked. And I just can't give him credit as some sort of genius. I think that the Detroit... Who was it? No, well, Dwayne Casey went to the Detroit right. Pistons. Yeah. Who was it? There was some franchise who offered... Was it the Knicks? They offered Ujiri a huge deal to come and run them? Well, they wanted, yeah, James Dolan wanted Ujiri to come yeah, and be the, Knicks, the head yeah. of basketball operations for the Knicks. But Ujiri, Ujiri said, no, I'm, I'm, he is Canadian yeah. and he's happy running the NBA's uh, Canadian team. And uh, there was, was, in another sport, wasn't there like a baseball team that also asked to have him come in or something? But he was all of a sudden this sought after guy. And I have to think that those teams are. Well, not that they'll ever know, but I think they should be happy that they didn't get him because I don't think that someone who would do that kind of scorched earth policy mm-hmm. and get lucky, I don't think he's going to catch lightning in a bottle twice. There's no way 
that that type of strategy would work again. I just don't believe well, that at and all. I, and I want to say this, uh, and I am a huge, 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 huge fan of Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. And I got to give all credit due. People seem to forget that the Milwaukee Bucks were up two games to nothing in the Eastern Conference Final last year, and then Nick Nurse made a change defensively and put up that proverbial wall. And he, he rolled the dice that the Milwaukee outside shooters, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, the Lopez, uh, the, the center, Robin Lopez, not Robin, his brother, uh, the other, they're both, on the, they're both on the Bucks now. But what I'm getting at is Nick Nurse rolls the dice and changes philosophies in regard to, okay, we're down to love and uh, we've got to do something to stop Giannis. So he puts up that big brick wall and the Bucks could not take advantage of the open outside shots and congratulations. But Masai Ujiri owes a lot, a lot to, now you got to give him credit because like you had mentioned, we didn't even know if Kawhi Leonard was going to play in Toronto, but he got him to play in Toronto and played well. But remember, he only played 60 games last year, a lot of load management. Hmm. And then obviously Nick Nurse is a brilliant basketball coach, a great tactician, and to make that change in game three and win a double overtime game in game three, basically saving the series. If Milwaukee goes up 3-0, that series is over. And uh, so, again, huge cojones by Ujiri to roll the dice on this trade. No guarantees. Like you said, you're, tra- you're trading your best player for a guy that has no intention of re-signing anywhere but either of the Los Angeles teams. And uh, But again, I think Nick Nurse needs to be given a lot of credit for making this work. And some other shrewd moves by Ujiri because who the hell had ever heard of Pasquale Siakam out of New Mexico State? He's turned into a stud. Um, they're still run by Kyle Lowry at point guard. He's done a great job, former Villanova product. But unbelievable putting that team together, buying into that team philosophy. What's his face? Leonard sitting for 22 games for load management, which I still think is a joke. But to have it all mesh and to work out and to get Canada their first NBA championship in 25 years is an awesome thing. And as much as I'm not a fan of you, Jerry, you got to give him props. Yeah, I don't I don't want to take anything away from him at all. But I just I I don't see how that can be a viable strategy going forward. It worked once. Right. And it made his name and made his career, and Toronto will forever have an NBA championship because of it, and that's great. But, man, was that reckless. Real quick before we get out of here on this uh, headline edition, episode number 528 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, real quick, something I'm not real enamored with in regard to the NBA. It was announced yesterday that these last eight games, the last eight regular season games, I guess they're more for seeding in the playoffs if more than anything else. But if you're going to play the games, and they're NBA-sanctioned games, I do not think that this is proper. And what I'm not real happy about is that these last eight games will have no bearing on the individual awards that are usually handed out at the end of the season. But again, if you didn't know, individual awards are about the regular season. They don't vote the MVP on what happens in the playoffs. They have a separate category mm-hmm. for that. But in, in regard to individual awards like the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, those are all based on 82 regular season games, If again, if it's a normal season. 
This year, they're going to be based on 65 games because the NBA came out on Friday and said that these last eight games will have no bearing on these individual awards. They'll be based on the 65 games that are already in the book, 65, 64, whichever your favorite team has played. In the case of the Milwaukee Bucks, they've played 65 games. They were 53 and 12. So basically right now, the MVP has already been awarded. It hasn't been announced, but it's already been awarded basically, as has the Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. And I I have a problem with that. I really do. These, again, are going to be eight sanctioned NBA games. They're going to be played on NBA hardwood floors. Now, obviously, they're going to be played, you know, in a different scenario. But again, NBA sanctioned, NBA refs, NBA everything, these should count. And if you believe what pundits are saying, and I'll just take a look at the MVP. Now, what do you expect Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer to think? Budenholzer came out when this announcement was made, and he says, Giannis has done enough to win the MVP right now. He should be back-to-back MVP. Well, what would you expect from his coach? I mean, that'd be like saying Frank Vogel, head coach of the Lakers, oh, LeBron should win. Well, why don't we take these last eight games and use them as a measuring stick if the MVP race is as close as everybody anticipated that it is between Giannis and LBJ? Then take these last eight games under these circumstances and basically have a eight-game playoff for MVP. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know what? I th- I'm actually surprised that Adam Silver missed the boat on this. Someone in marketing should have actually talked to him because it's so easy to market. You know, you're trying to get eyeballs on the product. Uh, from what I've seen with things like wrestling and and uh, UFC, other than the big events, uh, a lot of the lower stuff, it's just not the same without the crowd, and people don't seem as likely to watch it unless they're just desperate for any sport. Right. And so... I have to say that if I was in the NBA marketing department, I'd be like, race for the MVP. Tune in to see who right. dominates the final exactly. eight games. And I can't believe and, they missed out on that. And not only that, why wouldn't the marketing guys over these last eight games to draw up some interest? I mean, there's going to be interest to see these guys playing in these unnatural environments. But why wouldn't you have like a, a fan ballot or a fan vote in or a fan Oh, yeah, get something. people involved. Get yeah. involved. And, you know, obviously the votes have been cast. We know this is the sports writers voting for this award, but make the fans feel involved. Have them yeah. feel like they're a part of the decision process. And I think that this, again, I like Adam Silver. I think he's one of the top NBA, one of the top commissioners in all of sports. Certainly better than his brother and brethren in the National Football League for damn sure. And of course in Major League Baseball. But again, I think agreeing with what Chris said, I think he missed the boat here because here would have been a way in my estimation, for fans to kind of have a say as to who ultimately could potentially win the regular season MVP in the NBA. But I will say, I do understand, if we're being fair and we really put ourselves in Adam Silver's shoes, how many headaches does this guy have on a daily basis since COVID hit? I think for something like where you've played almost an entire season, like they played 90% of it or whatever, I think in that situation... That's just one less headache to kind of have. It's like, okay, we can just determine who won all the awards. Okay, that's done. Off my plate, out of my hair. I don't need to think about it anymore. We don't have to worry about that. It's just done. Anything we can get off the plate, we get off the plate and that's it. And then we can just focus on just getting through this whole thing. Because even now, especially in Florida, of all places to have a hub city, there is no guarantee of them getting through. And there are all these reports. They have this tip line or something where people can, uh, like basically the NBA players can rat on each other. And I mean, it's all these. Is reports. that where somebody ratted on Dwight Howard for not wearing a mask? 
Yeah, and then someone else was like, oh, I saw like a uh, a girl going into this guy's room and like, you know, or, you know, it's it's uh, like just with, with no other headaches to worry about, just getting this onto the court yeah. is going to be tough, especially in Florida. Yeah. Good grief. So, yeah, I, I don't blame him for fair. Fair uh, enough, but you know. again, we're not we, of course, but the NBA itself, the Board of Governors, the ownership group, they're paying Adam Silver probably not forty million bucks a year like they're play, paying that panty waste in the National Football League, but they're paying Adam Silver an awful lot of money to make decisions. And so far, I think Adam Silver, except for this, has done a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know we got to get out of here, but I just got to uh, pick your brain on this one. We should not have any problems moving forward with the four-year-old Rogers arena up in Edmonton with the, yeah, uh, it'll be fine. It'll it, be fine. It, it's okay. structurally fine. They'll have it cleaned up in the next couple of weeks. It's, it's good to go. Good. Okay. Now we got to run. We've yeah. got to get things to get to later on this week. In uh, one of our three episodes this week, we're going to do a top 10 underappreciated athletes list. And I got to tell you folks, I went all athletes this time. I do have I do have one honorable mention though that isn't from the wonderful and wacky world of sports, but I'll get to that in a bit. So we got things to get to, so let's get after them. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.